Hello, you're listening to Deeply Curious. My name is Cody Jensen, and joining me in our New York City studio apartment is Sarah Jensen, my wife. Hello. And also joining us for the the first time second guest yeah. on Deeply Curious. Wowzers. And the best looking guest <laughs> we've ever had, Josh Kluge. Who else, have, who else has been your guest? Uh, Josh Kluge. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait a second, I feel bad. No, we've had a few others. Um, John but we, Well, Michelle I wasn't going to name them to uh, specifically call out who. Oh, no, Sorry. John's way better looking than me. Yeah. <laughs> um, this In this episode, we decided we were going to talk about gear. Um, yeah. So specifically, art making and the gear needed to create that art and uh, the, con- or the, I guess, how we all get caught up in the gear side of things yeah. instead of the art creating side of things. Mm-hmm. Totally. So that's what we're gonna dive into. Before we do that, I just wanna let you know that this podcast is produced by Rob Evans and Greg Stratton and Christian B. Schmidt. Hey. Those are producer level patrons over on our Patreon page, which you can go to by uh, typing in jensenav.club. We call our Patreon patreon page the jensen av club and this is a premium membership uh platform that basically allows you to uh help support this show and allows us to keep uh materialism and consumerism um at bay Mm -hmm. and uh create art that matters instead of art that sells and so you can join the jensen av club and get exclusive uh perks and um deeper access um to us as artists and things like that. You can check it out again by going to jensenav.club. Thank you so much to all of our patrons. Yes. And let's get on with the show. Let's do it. So we have had this conversation many times uh-huh. um, about gear and <laughs> art. It's just something I feel that I think everybody goes through it. Yeah. Well, I think it on some level, it makes you feel good. There's this idea that they've talked about before or that I've heard before about how like you shouldn't tell people your um, your plans or your goals because telling them is kind of it gives you that little satisfying feeling and that that like now you then you don't actually do it. I feel like that's what buying Hmm. gear is like it gives you that kind of satisfied feeling like i'm doing something Uh i accomplished it but then like it's not actually what you're you should be doing but it gives us that like minimum effort maximum output kind of idea you know what i mean yeah that's how i feel anyway like i love like researching and buying and like getting prepared for a thing but then that satisfies my (laughs) my need to do something Mm -hmm. so then it's like the actual work it takes to get better at something is a lot more difficult than buying it yeah you know what i mean i think that before we i think one thing to uh i guess center the conversation for those that are listening and they may be like wait what what are Mm -hmm. we like what are we talking about um so I think that a prime example that pretty much everybody can uh, relate to is the example that I've used often about photography yeah. and how you'll see somebody and they'll have like amazing photos. You know, they take your family photos or your senior photos or your wedding photos, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And somebody will compliment the photographer and be like, wow, these photos are so good. What kind of camera do you have? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they attribute the quality of the photo to the quality of the camera mm-hmm. instead of attributing the quality of the photo to the quality of the photographer. Mm-hmm. And yes, gear matters, 
But our argument that I think that we're going to be making is that only to a point. Yeah. Um, and so I think that my favorite example, uh, I guess, antithesis uh, mm-hmm. of what kind of um, is an example of this is just the fact that if you were to go have an amazing meal, you would not, after the meal, look at the chef and say, wow, that was like one of the best meals I've ever had. What kind of oven do you have? Mm. Right. And we don't compliment the chef on their cooking utensils. We compliment the chef on the taste of the food. Right. And so, you know, I think that it's it's a twofold conversation, I think. What causes us to care about so, so much about gear? Mm-hmm. And then is it something we should actually care about? Well, I think, well, at least for me, what causes me to care about gear is that feeling I get like, oh my gosh, I'm doing something worthwhile and like this, you know, like I'm pursuing something, but it does like end up satisfying that piece of me that like is like, okay, cool. I don't need to do anything more. Yeah. (laughs) You know, the the quote you said initially about we should never tell people or like the whole. Yeah. Don't tell people your plans because that gives you, it tricks your brain into thinking that you've done it already, basically. I should probably stop talking in life. (laughs) It's kind of whenever you said that, I was like, oh, dang, that's so me. But I think it's that whole, it's almost like your eyes are set so much on, I. if I get this, then I can right. become this as far as like, or I could create this. And so your mind is so fixated on acquiring that gear to where mm-hmm. the reason that you're acquiring it is irrelevant and it's just all about getting it. And mm-hmm. then that in and of itself is, is the goal, is yeah. the acquiring as opposed to what acquiring it enables for you that you're just kind of like okay check like there's these um studio monitors that i use at home whenever i'm just like goofing around on stuff and for the longest time i was like man i would probably create so much more if i had good studio monitors Mm -hmm. blah 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 i spent all this time getting these monitors and then the exact same thing that i wasn't doing at home that i still do in the other environments, but I was thinking, why is, why, why do I do all my creation outside of home? Why do I sit at mm-hmm. other people's houses or at work or wherever? And why, why am I not doing it at home? It's like, oh, cause I don't have like that really good speakers. Mm-hmm. So I get the really good speakers and it literally doesn't change mm-hmm. anything. Yeah. It's kind of the same, not even in art, but just like, or at a good example, I think, is like whenever you get really into the idea that you're going to work out. And so uh-huh. you buy like the $200 running shoes and you buy the like Lululemon tights and or whatever leggings mm-hmm. and, you know, the really nice workout gear. And then it just sits in your closet forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of the same idea. Getting that Billy Ray Cyrus Fendi sports bra. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The way that I've kind of come to look at this is that a lot of times we hide our insecurities as an artist behind the purchasing of gear. Yeah. And so... Like it's going to make you more legitimate. Right. It's like instead of being confident and knowing like, okay, I am a great, you know, let's say filmmaker or whatever it is, instead of leaning into, you know, making good movies or making good videos or making good photos or making good music or, you know, Mm -hmm. making good furniture... Yeah, we hide our insecurities of what we are creating in the pursuit of purchasing gear. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it's like instead of focusing on those things, 
I'm like obsessing, watching every single YouTube video I can possibly find on all of these cameras. Yeah. Like which camera has the the highest possible bit rate and the lowest possible mm-hmm. you know grain and like yeah. all this stuff and like oh wow that camera sucks I'm gonna get this camera because that camera is gonna make me mm-hmm. look like I'm a boss. Yeah, yeah and it's yeah. like it doesn't matter. Yeah, because at the end of the day, if your storytelling and your creative abilities as a filmmaker, they can be applied to an amazing film shot on a GoPro that is not going to increase the uh, level of storytelling and, and creativity whenever you used yeah. a, uh, you know, a, a high end like $30,000 camera. Like yeah. it, it, is, it helps to a point, but if you are, basically if you suck as an artist, which we all do, the art isn't going to be, be made better right. by the accumulation of better gear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I th- I think you're right. It is a good way to hide or not even hide, but like maybe even run from those mm-hmm. emotions and like um, pretend like they don't exist, you know, yeah, like yeah. instead. I mean, we even in life, we do that. We like distract ourselves because we don't want to like admit the truth of something uncomfortable. You know, mm-hmm. it's that same idea, I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I th- something I've noticed about myself too, because I was watching tons of these behind the scenes clips for different TV shows and things like that. And I have found myself going on streams of finding out about gear. And I'm really starting to think that the pursuit of knowing about gear is just a completely different interest in mm. like brainwave than actual creation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I think that you can beer a uh, beer. Yeah. <laughs> I think that you can be a gear file, yeah. but not actually be a musician mm-hmm. or, yeah, or actually be a photographer, actually yeah. be a designer or a writer or anything. You can just be somebody that's so interested in what it does, but in yet just because you're interested in what it does, doesn't mean that you're actually the one who's, should be creating it mm-hmm. it's just you're a curious person and so it's like a uh it's almost a you're the reason you're interested in how it works is because really at heart you're an engineer mm-hmm. as opposed to mm-hmm. a composition person whether that be you're composing music you're composing right paint your paintings you're composing video type of thing it's just your engineer brain has attached itself to something else type of thing mm-hmm. interesting that's a good thought yeah, I, I I definitely could see that for sure. Um, but I also, well, maybe this is goes along with it, but, and this is going to be a harsh, bold statement, but I, I stand <laughs> that's, by it. That's, that is, yeah. welcome to Cody Jensen. Yeah. <laughs> that I have, I have found or experienced that the people who obsess the most about gear make the worst art. Yeah, well, because I think the beauty of art is in the, um, I guess mystery, but it, it's in the like in between things that you can't really explain or describe or whatever. Yeah. It's in the messing around. It's in the like tinkering, mm-hmm. I guess you would yeah. say. That's where the art actually comes from. Maybe, maybe in your stream, but I know in the music world, I just know some dudes that like crazy gearheads, like my buddy David, like crazy gearhead every time i'm driving through a city he's on craigslist for that city and he's like and he's literally sent me on random two-hour detours on my way to nashville he's like hey could you pop into this spot in arkansas and i pick up this 1970s analog tape machine Mm -hmm. 
for his and he's like crazy gearhead but he has a crazy studio in mm-hmm. nashville type yeah. of thing and so he's he's somebody that i'm like you're the best of both worlds because you're a crazy gearhead and you also are the composer yeah. so yeah. but the, yeah there's i know quite a few guys in the music stream that well i think you can be a crazy gearhead and also crazy talented but i think the problem is when you put gear ahead of talent yeah, yeah. It's, right? the way I would say is that most of the people, I guess, that I am picturing whenever I say that, they have not outgrown the gear they already have. Yeah, right, right, right. 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 And so that's that's one thing that I have always kind of harped on, I guess, is that, you know, all of us, I, I think it might be just because of the materialistic culture that we live in. We just get so obsessed with getting the right gear. And maybe it has to do with the culture, our culture of um like reviewing and mm-hmm. that you know any, any possible thing that we ever do like if, if we're gonna go to a lunch spot we like look it up to see how many stars it has yeah. to right. make sure we're going to the best lunch spot right yeah. it's like it's all about getting the best lunch you know the the best guitar the best camera mm-hmm. you know the best sd card to go in the camera it's like none of that really like who's to say what's right. the best but we're so obsessed with this that i think that gets us into it makes us all obsessed with getting gear yeah and it instead of actually focusing on our talent mm. and i think for me the way that i like to say is that the the bet the time to upgrade your gear is whenever your gear is actually holding you back mm-hmm. from creating what you want to create oh absolutely and yeah. that question sometimes can if I feel like maybe if you're not self-aware enough, that question can be like, oh, of course it is because it doesn't have the right bit rate. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. And you're like, yeah. no, that, yeah. that's not true. Yeah. Like the, you have the majority of us never outgrow our gear. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it's that we get bored. Yeah. yeah. And our, it's the, uh, um, the, this disparity between, um, taste and talent. I was, was going to say the Ira Glass quote, it seems like it could fit here because it really is that like your taste is so much higher than your talent. So you think, okay, well, how can I compensate? Yeah. And you compensate with gear, mm-hmm. we think. Yeah. And then you can't make the gear do what you want to do. So you buy yeah. the preset package exactly. right? so that you can achieve what the gear is capable of doing for your taste. But or your you talent give it all up there. because nothing actually is working. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and I was thinking about this little example of, how when I was, I think I was 13 years old, I got this delay pedal that had a, only a couple settings on it. And one of them was a looper and you could do, you could loop stuff into it and then you could add effects while it was looping. Mm-hmm. It was just the classic at DL4, if that means anything to anybody. Just <laughs> I, I loved that pedal and I would run a DD20 into the DL4 and just, it was awesome. And so you could also... St- if you double tapped one of the buttons, it could slow it down in half time, and then it would also octavate it down because you're slowing it down type of thing. And then in, you could then record slowed down and speed it up. So it's just like all these crazy variations. Nerd, nerd it out, <laughs> nerd alert. Um, but anyways, the amount of like craziness, I would get home from school and I would go up to my room and would just play and play and play and play mm-hmm. and play. And then I found out the my tuner there was like this cheap 30 dollar little um 
music store, like band music store tuner. It had a microphone on it for tuning the instrument. Yeah. And then it had a line input for if you were to plug an instrument into it and it had a line output. And I figured out that you could plug the line output into the pedal, into the amplifier and use the microphone on the tuner mm-hmm. as a microphone and you could record into it. And so that was like my literal setup is it was this flat tuner that the microphone was right here in the middle and I would like lay it on the shelf and angle myself over it and then sing into it. Hopefully I'm like, you know, at the right height or whatever. So whenever puberty would happen, I'd have to figure out, you know, I got to stand on books now because I'm a little bit higher than the shelf. But that was my experience with all of this in order to like get crazy sounds because of the limitations that it was doing. Mm -hmm. I was then exploring it on guitar going into it and then was like, well, what if I did all of that with a microphone and then did the slowdown thing? And then what if I record the guitar, unplug it, it's looping, plug the mic in, sing over it. And I'm doing all of this because of what's limited. Mm -hmm. Then what was it like 10 years later or something like that? I get this program for synthesis on my computer and this thing is crazy capable it's you know has just what it does the amount of stuff that's been recorded into it all these different synth libraries have been recorded into it and the amount of adjustments that you can make blah 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 is endless and because it is so complicated yeah i have not been able to well i haven't taken the time to sit down and i've just settled mm-hmm. for well, I know JL's got this dope sound on it. So, hey, yo, how do I do that on this? And, oh, yo, my friend Seth has this. So, I could, how could I do it on this? And, my, and, oh, yo, okay, hey, somebody call Ben. Have, have Ben come and make the adjustments because the time it took to get Ben's sound, I don't want to spend yeah. because right. this thing's so vast. Yeah. Whereas my little pedal, because it was so limited, it was almost, it seemed conquerable. Mm-hmm. So, I would spend the time. Whereas if I spent the amount of time on the program that I got 10 years later, that I did on the pedal, I would probably be way better at it. But because it had so much access and so much editing ability, mm-hmm. I was so overwhelmed and didn't yeah. even engage it. Well, I think oftentimes creativity comes from limitations. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's that. what like l- creativity is, right? It's like creative problem solving, and like you have this thing that you can't get around, so you find a creative way to get around it, right? Yeah. But like, I think, um, I think also. If you pay attention, uh, art a lot of times I think comes from like simplifying things mm-hmm. and all of these people who have like reached this level of artistic ability, what do they always do? They go back to the beginning. Yeah. They go back to when they only had this like two plug whatever thing that they couldn't do anything with. That's what they go back to to make a masterpiece. Yeah, You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think there's like something opposite of like paring down to find the the thing that we feel like we yeah. we mm-hmm. need more and more to figure it out but really all you have to do is pare it all down yeah. i mean it goes back to uh that really famous quote that i can't remember to it's attributed by so i'm gonna say it's by cody jensen that, hey yeah um, <laughs> no you said that I, yeah, yeah i remember uh, <laughs> I remember. limitations are the mother of invention yes yeah you said that yeah <laughs> um you know and, and it's just it, it, with everything it's like truly like the limitations are what leads to invention and uh, connections that were never made before. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, and also in creativity, like the most creative things are the things that are were made under limitations. Yeah, yeah. because oh, totally. you have that like, um, what if like when you have all the options, you pick nothing kind mm -hmm. of idea, you know? So like, yeah. instead, you give yourself like a little box to work within, and like your brain is like, okay, I can do something with this, you know? Versus yeah, yeah, like, yeah. oh my god, where do I even start? <laughs> right, you know? Yeah. And it's and so then I think, what would it look like if we then almost tricked ourselves mm -hmm. into that approach? Yeah, with things that have so many options. Yeah, like take one at a time and practice it. So what if I had the same approach with this endless mm -hmm. editable, adjustable program that I had with my DL four, and say I'm only going to allow myself to play with the ACAC, uh, <laughs> words, it's it's Sunday, we were taking the day off from words today. Um, what if I only, only allowed myself to play with the attack, decay, sustain, release? And right. that little section, I'm not gonna worry about the LFO, I'm not gonna worry mm -hmm. about cut, I'm not gonna worry about any about all that stuff, but I'm only limiting to that section. Or what would it look like if, you know, I know I can adjust the the balance, I know I can adjust the contrast, but I'm only gonna allow myself to play with ISO today. Yeah, I mean, I think that that is, well, if you think about like usually how a song is written, it's because there's like one piece of information that somebody wants to get across. Yeah. Whether it's like a line or literally one word or a story plot, like it's one single thing that somebody's trying to communicate. So like, just take that and apply it to literally everything else. You're like trying to communicate one thing. What is that one simple thing? And then like, you know, work around mm. that. That reminds me of uh, this whole limitation in creating art in that the other day I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about limitations and they ended up telling the story of uh, Keith Jarrett and Keith Jarrett is a, a, a jazz pianist. pianist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, he had a... He, he was on tour and he was playing concerts and he went to this venue early to like, you know, check out. They, they said to meet the piano um, and like, you know, that. get. Oh, I love those little comments. <laughs> like, yeah. So, you know, to get to know the piano, he's going to be playing with that night. There's like 15, this is a 1500 seat theater. So it, it sold out um, and he shows up and in this 1500 seat theater is like a baby grand like piano. I I, I guess I can't remember it. What they said was the, the piano was too small. Yeah. Um, so it's and, like a big concert hall. You're right. expecting a massive grand. And, and so get in there, the piano itself um, wouldn't even reach the back of the room. Can't project. Gotcha. Yeah. Then he starts playing and like, I don't remember how many, like 16 of the keys are like, don't even really work. Oh, and then dead. it's like, wow. and then it's like really like out of tune and like can't, like it's really hard to get into tune. And then the pedals were mm -hmm. like not working right either. And so he said, I can't do this. Yeah. Like, no. And the promoter, I guess, was like, somebody that well, i think they said it was a young woman and she was like really wanted to make this work and like i think maybe it was one of her first like times doing this or something and so did it read the ride yeah <laughs> and so you know he he wanted to like Give she basically she was shot. begging like please please do this this concert and he was like uh just for you like i'm gonna do it but just for you and um like they they brought in like a piano tuner and like tuned it up up as like best as possible yeah but even still, a lot of the keys still weren't working. Mm -hmm. The pedal was, you know, not working right. And, um, 
it still wasn't like a loud piano, so it's still like not going to reach to the end. Anyways, he decides to go on. Keith Jarrett, he also improvises every show because um, he's, he's a jazz yeah, guy. Yeah. Um, and so as he goes on and they decide, hey, let's actually record this show so that we can send it to future um, venues and say, <laughs> this is what happens when you don't read our writer and you don't give us proper equipment. <laughs> Well, long story short, he starts playing, and because of the limitations that were put on him, he is playing so aggressively to get it to the back of the room and sticking to the middle of the keyboard where the it's a rich, full yeah, yeah. like sound. And he, he's avoiding the high keys and he's really banging out the bass to make sure that the you know the the tempo is like going and, and all that type of stuff. Anyways, ends up creating this piece of music. That goes on to become the most sold solo piano jazz album of all time. What? And it's called the Cone Concert, and it's a absolutely beautiful, like piece of of, of an hour long of piano. I'm gonna go on a walk. In a yeah. Little bit. That um, you know, it, it basically just goes on to, just to give an yeah. example of like putting limitations on something. Like he's a master. Yeah. He knows. I bet he knows anything and everything you could possibly know about a piano. He probably normally plays on the best pianos that you could ever possibly want to play on. Oh, yeah, naturally. And so, you know, he had all of these things. And I don't, you know, this is just a throwaway statement, but it's possible that if he would have never been given a crappy piano, we could be, well, one, we wouldn't be talking about him. But yeah. He could have gone on to just be for just be forgotten, right? In, in well, the, he wouldn't it, have sold the most sold right. Jazz like he, music. like uh, he could have just, he could have been known, but like generally forgotten as a musician because he was playing with you know his skills and abilities on all of the best stuff, and it was never challenged to use that the, all of that knowledge in a limited way. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe a little bit of the like gear or the the need for more and better gear is like FOMO. Mm-hmm. kind of like we f- we feel like oh my gosh if i don't have this thing then i can't create my masterpiece yeah, right? right but it's like obviously he didn't need the yeah amazing pianos he just needed one crappy one <laughs> well and i'm thinking about even those times back to i feel like everybody covets at least in conversations i've had of like I'm always just trying to get get back to the musician Josh was when he was 14 years old totally. in his room type of thing. Yeah. But I think the reason I'm trying to do that conceptually is because some of the best art that I made was whenever I went into, I keep coming back to that pedal just because that's what mm-hmm. we're doing. But like when I went into, when I had just gotten that DL4, the why that some of that stuff was the best stuff that I had created was because I went into that space without an agenda. Mm-hmm. Totally. And so it's like, what does it look like to almost say, I'm coming in here. Mm-hmm. These are my limitations, intentionally putting them on myself and I have no agenda. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to write, you know, this next whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to um, create for, with this with the thought process of how is this going to land on other people? Yeah. I'm literally just coming in here and I'm going to goof around with my new with my newfound friend of these limitations and like yeah, I don't know. I'm wondering. I'm like having this thought process of dang, I need to get back to the. Well, I think part of it is like whenever you're younger, when you're a kid, there's like no inhibition. Like there's no limiting anything on you. You're not putting limitations on yourself, I guess I should say. You're also not aware of the expectations that are put on you 
from culture and society and all of that. So you're literally just in your room making stuff that is like true yeah. to your heart. And that's what like true art yeah. is. So like if you can figure out how to get to that as an adult without worrying about the gear and the obligations and the expectations that's the goal yeah at least true until dinner and then i gotta go downstairs and eat whatever yeah exactly (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah i think there's something about um all i have an opinion i think or a thought that all of us are just trying to get back to like how we felt when we were kids Hmm. that's it you know what i mean and i think like looking at what you did as a kid is like a good way of starting out because I think especially in art because art is just like a commentary on life. You know what I mean? Uh So. Well, and that's something our friend Jones Mm -hmm. says, would say all the time in conversations that we're having and it's aimed towards something else completely different, but it's this whole idea of like him and I talk about this idea of wonder and like, Mm -hmm. like just look, uh, realizing there's so much wonder surrounding you, but Mm -hmm. it's, that's a whole different stream but in that in that thought process of wonder of what does it look like to get back to the place when we were kids in our creation where this creation was simply for the case and reality of wonder it was just like yeah oh my gosh this i know this sounds so stupid and it couldn't apply to anything but i don't care about that right now because it's like sound sounds so (laughs) sick how the heck did i get that type of thing and like Mm -hmm tweaking around and messing with things and all of a sudden you just land on something but the motivation was wonder not mm. production exactly well i think also that a lot of as we get older the the pressures and opinions of other people start to take a stronger and stronger hold on our on our minds yeah and so i mean that is where a lot of anxieties come from in the creation of art is because it's not thinking about the wonder is not thinking about like, whoa, this is so fun to create this. It's like, oh, I don't know if I could possibly ever show this to somebody. This yeah, like, I you don't know, want how to is this rejected. gonna how is this gonna be received? How is this gonna be, you know, thought of? If I make this so weird, what if people are gonna think that I'm weird? If I'm not actually good enough, yeah. What are people gonna think that I'm not good enough? Mm-hmm. And we we instead of just exploring, instead of getting to that wonder, instead of just creating for creating sake and not worrying about what other people think of us, we we basically do that. Like we just yeah. we stop creating, yeah, and we start worrying about the gear. Um, you know, is one avenue you could take those feelings, right? Because, like, if you were to show up um, to your photo shoot, let's say, and you have a uh, a Canon T three I, you know, that only cost you five hundred dollars. How are people going to perceive you as an artist mm-hmm. versus if you show up with a Canon 5D Mark IV yeah, that right. you spent a few thousand dollars on? How are right. then are you going to be perceived as an artist? If yeah. you walk up on stage and you have like a, a Stratocaster, you know, versus if you had something that you bought at Hastings in 1999, uh-huh. like how are you going to be perceived as an artist? Yeah. And as you look at people, like I think a prime example, especially with the music scene, and it, it, that's music there is merit like right. to all gear. I mean, there's, oh, a, there's, yeah, a, there's totally. a reason there is a T3 and there's a reason that there is a 5D Mark IV and there's a reason there's a beginner guitar and there's a reason that, you know, you have right. a Stratocaster. But if you were to take somebody like Jack White, who yeah, is- Yeah, totally poops on all of that. Yeah, insane like musician and artist who he is the epitome of proof that 
all of that crap doesn't matter yeah, yeah. if right. you don't know how to create. Right. And he, like I watched a video one time of him literally, in the video he builds a guitar. The glass bottle. And, and then creates, just starts playing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And creates this like really cool, interesting sounds um, with this thing that he literally made on his front porch. Yeah. Well, I think um, you can also, uh, it, I think it was a Switchfoot documentary that I watched. Who's that? Yeah. Um, But it was kind of the same. They like went out and found just random things on the street that made interesting noises to them. And then they brought it back and like tried to make a song with these like weird, not even instruments, you know? Yeah. There's like something about exploring and like not putting limitations on yourself in that way of like, I need this gear in order to make this thing. Like, no, you don't. Yeah. And usually those are the most interesting things are the, the ones that are like not made with amazing gear. Yeah. There's this guy on YouTube who's named Andrew Huang and he literally walks around. I don't know anything. I think he lives in Vancouver. I don't know where he lives, but mm-hmm. he walks around whatever city he lives in with a microphone and just listens to things and finds things and walks up and rec- walks up to it and records it and he just looks at something he's like I wonder what that would sound like and hits it with something and yeah. records that thing and then he puts out these pop songs and puts out all this music and it's using these yeah. specific completely random sounds but he's just walking around with the with the like forefront with the thought of at the forefront of his mind of you know what is the wonder that is going to come to me if by paying attention to what's around me? Yeah, mm. I think that's the key is like, it's not that gear is bad or good or you need it or you don't. It's just that like having an open mind of what gear even means. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like um, back to music. Um, if you have, you know, just a beginner guitar or, you know, whatever it is and you're like, you know, you're, you play and you just can't get past the fact that you have this guitar and you're like, um basically you are obsessing over upgrading yeah and there's you know like like i said there's anyways it doesn't matter um you're obsessed with upgrading i think one question to ask is like if let's say john mayer Mm -hmm. walked in and i handed him this guitar could would he sound as good as i do on this guitar or better Mm. and generally speaking it's probably the fact that he's going to play the crap out of that guitar and you're going to you know mm-hmm. ever wonder why you ever needed a better guitar like yeah. why does he even need a better guitar yeah. you know it's like because we like i said basically in the beginning is like yeah. we rarely ever truly outgrow our gear yeah and because there's this threshold in our mind of, of practice and patience and truly diving mm-hmm. into our actual mm-hmm. art and there is something to be said about the excitement of something new as well. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes yeah. like if we're using the same piece of gear over and over and over again, we just like lose like this th- kind of lose that wonder because yeah. it's like, it's like, yeah, okay, I get it. Yeah. yeah and, the, and then we, like, and then- it's like you buy that new pedal and then all of a sudden you're like reinvigorated to like play guitar for eight hours a day for like, you know, months straight. Yeah. Um, right. You know, there is something, to, you know, that could be said about that. But again, it just goes to it, obsessing over the gear to improve your skill is rarely actually the case. Yeah. Well, it's like that cheesy line that I said earlier as we were talking about this is like the gear is only as good as the ear mm-hmm. of like, yeah, it doesn't matter like what you have if your ear and, you know, musically that's literal, but you know, yeah. what your eyes, your whatever, right. your 
whatever your, you know, however you're, how, whatever you got to use to create type of thing. Mm-hmm. If it's not refined, if it hasn't been developed, if it doesn't know what to look for, then like you can have the greatest stuff ever and it literally doesn't matter. And I think that's that's where I think a lot of people get mixed up in is they don't have the ear, but they think that the remedy for getting the mm-hmm. better ear is getting the better gear. And so they go get the better gear and they have the good gear with the bad ear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm trying to make sure I don't Dr. Seuss. And <laughs> but it's this whole idea of like, oh yeah, so like if I'm gonna be able to get that sound, if I go get that thing and then you go get that thing and then you need like to fast forward or rewind all the way back to what I said earlier of like, then you got to get the preset package and all that type of stuff. But then you're in this weird wormhole Mm -hmm. or this, uh, or this weird, just like, I guess back and forth thing of, I don't have the ear Mm -hmm. to make anything cool. I have gear that is capable of doing so much that I don't even know what to do. Mm -hmm. And so my bad ear, because it has access to something that is so adjustable, I have no idea where to start. Right. And therefore, I'm actually not able to create anything because this thing is too complicated for my ear. And and my ear hasn't been trained by something that's simple to even know where to go. Yeah, I think the solution or the remedy is patience hmm. in that. Yeah. It's not it's not getting better gear or whatever. It's literally just sitting there and devoting hours yeah. to like one button. Yeah. What you was know? that line you were saying earlier? About um, from Maddie Healy or something like that? Oh yeah, Maddie Healy from the nineteen seventy five. He did an interview and he said the biggest lesson he's learned in like their art is just showing up and like literally turning up and sitting there for three hours pressing one note trying to find the sound that you want and like that's that's what it is that's what creativity is that's what writing a song is it's not everybody thinks we did at 14 yeah everybody thinks it's this very mystical thing which i like to think that it is too yeah (laughs) but like the truth of it is is that creativity comes from sitting there for hours and hours and hours and like just trying and then not working and then trying again and then not working yeah (laughs) like like that's all it is it's not about better gear yeah it's like are you are you okay we're totally we are way more obsessed with producing than we are with creating wow like something good wow you know what i mean well and that's the thing is in order to produce something great you have to spend the time Uh In that creative composition mindset, right? And, but you can't go into it. It's like this weird tension. It's all this irony, right? Like in order to produce something, you have to be in this space of creativity and for something to come up. But the only way that's going to come up is is if you aren't thinking about producing, but you're just thinking about creating sounds. Now you can obviously, and I do this all the time where I have a sound in my head and it's, you know, this would fit really well for this production thing if I could get this type of sound there. Right. But it's also, it's less about the ethereal product that I'm trying to make. And it's more about the specific, you know, what would it look like to sound like to do that? I mean, somebody that does this, that's so great is my roommate, Jalen. Jalen, literally, he's been doing this thing lately where he's 
or I guess he's been doing this thing for a long time, but he's getting back to it where he's stacking vocals upon vocals upon vocals upon vocals to where specific parts of a song, there will be specific words. And he's like crazy brilliant musician. And he'll say a certain word and it'll be a literal 13 tracks of different harmony parts. So maybe three words and there's 13 different harmony lines that are varying in different ways that all together just create this crazy synthesis thing that sounds so unreal and he's kind of perfected it but the reason he's perfected it is because when he was a kid he was just sitting around and like mm-hmm. oh well that sounds cool that sounds cool that sounds cool and it's kind of like in this in this time where he didn't have an agenda mm-hmm. he developed a skill set that then he can directly ap- apply here in a moment whenever he has an agenda, right. but it's because it came from a time without an agenda. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we're always constantly thinking about the posting of the art yeah. in the middle of creating the art. Yeah. I yeah. do I do think, I think about this a lot in regards to musicians because, or it, like with our stuff or whatever. Anyway, um, like if I write something, I'm immediately thinking about like, okay, how can I post it? When should I post it? You know, whatever. But then- Is my mom going to read it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then when you look at like a lot of musicians, what they do is they go away for from social media, generally speaking. Three years. For years. Oh, I love and it. And they, they disappear. They go away to the studio in their own little bubble. They write their thing. And then they come back. Yeah. And it's this like, it's this process of like, I'm going to, you know, silo myself off and create what I'm meant to create, you know, without outside distraction. And then I'm going to come back and share that with you. It's this like, I think a lot of us have this. I don't think that we're supposed to get immediate feedback on our stuff. Like, I think, I think that's the whole problem is like, we post it and then we're like just waiting for feedback. Mm-hmm. And then whenever it's not the feedback we wished it was, we think that we did something wrong. So then you start tailoring your content art to like what the platform says. And like that's not how you should create art. I think that is when you lose out on all of the good art because you're not actually creating what you were meant to create because you're letting outside influences come in yeah. you mm-hmm. know, to the process. Which that's that's a whole stream. It's of a completely like, different conversation. And that's a conversation we that we already had. Yeah. But it's then it's kind of like when you're allowing the consumer to di- to dictate what you create, then yeah. the only thing you're going to create is what they've already heard. Yeah, I think there's nothing wrong with like maybe listening to your audience in some form or fashion. Um, but it's like Steve Jobs. He was like, they don't know what they want or need until I tell them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I told them they need an iPod. I told them they don't need the floppy disk in their computer. And I was right. Wasn't you know it, what I mean? Is that, is that, what, isn't that the very story? Like, I remember you guys telling yeah. me this story about, oh, he, yeah, was he, it? Yeah, it's, that, a, it's just the Apple, like, in, in everything, but Steve Jobs, they famously never did focus groups. Like, right. because a lot of technology companies, they would go in and they would do focus groups and show them different things and be like, okay, how do you feel about this? How do you feel about that? And it's like a lot of those things, like, even just the mouse of a computer, like, in a focus group, they're just like, why? What? What is it? Like, I don't get it. And yeah. it's like, oh, and if they listen to that, then then you just don't create the mouse. Yeah. Even right. though that ended up going on to, you know, being a the biggest part of computing yeah. is being able to 
point and click the right. graphical user interface and just the fact that that all computing technology from that point like exploded right. into the mass like into where everybody could use it and yeah, it's, it's like so much more user and so in and, and that it's not that specific thing but there are so many things like that with apple and what steve jobs did is like I don't listen to those people because people don't know what they want until I give it to them. He was the epitome of an innovator, yeah. right? But I think like applying that to your art, like I don't think there's anything wrong with like, you hey, know, mom, seeing you if an audience likes what you're mm -hmm. doing necessarily. But I also think you shouldn't let it, that there's just too many of us who are letting that dictate our art. And that to me is a shame because you're not creating what you were meant to create. Yeah, it's like the the widest or the most like yeah. let's say you post something yeah, the widest yeah, yeah. amount of feedback doesn't equal the best art exactly yeah. it mean that is the uh the widest acceptable art right and well, what what art is the art that dies it's the die that is accepted by the most people yeah because it doesn't shake anything it goes back to that quote that we've said many times in that great art um comforts the disturbed and disturbs the comfortable totally and also i feel like even wow. in in uh like as an example, I kind of have like a little thing right now with all these like uh, poems that are, they're all just, the only thing they're about is like romantic love in like one line, two line fashions, you know? I'm like, there is way more to life than like, I don't, like, I just, I don't want to like say just, anything rude just about pull anybody. Cody and be bold and say it i don't want to say anything rude about anybody but like just the idea of like uh don't don't chase him because you're worth more you know what i mean it's like this whole <laughs> idea and i'm like that's not why is literally every poem that that is yeah. not that's not art that's not poetry poetry is like raw and honest and uncomfortable and sort of like the most embarrassing thing you could ever do right is that's poetry you know but like we're all cool with just like oh his eyes are beautiful you know what i mean I, it just is driving yeah. me crazy because again we're creating for the platform we're creating the, wow that was great yes we're creating because the audience says this is cool you know yeah. and like that's not art it's yeah. like a sweet that's nothing not with a pinterest background yes that's a very good definition it's it's maybe art but it's not the the life-changing art that I consider art. Yeah, <laughs> that you want to consume. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think like too many of us get. Uh, I don't know. Whenever you're all doing the same thing and you're all thinking the same thing and reading the same thing, nothing new happens, right. and like that doesn't move anything forward. I feel like that's where we're at with a lot of stuff. Even you can even look in like pop music and stuff. Oh, exactly. Like everybody's kind of writing the same song yeah, or, same. yeah. And it's this, like we're writing for the streams We're you know, we're mm -hmm. posting for the algorithms where it's just not the way art should be. I don't think is intended to be made. And it's, yeah. it's kind of a Well, shame. we were walking down the street and we we're behind this cup, this group of people. And this guy was, you know, talking to these, I don't know if you guys overheard the conversation or not, but I heard this guy, you know, dressed in just traditional like i want to be famous clothing uh -huh. and he's telling his friends of like yeah so like in my new music video this is what we're gonna do blah 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 and he said and then you know what's gonna happen is at the end of it someone will slap me in the face and once they slap me i'll wake up and it all it'll, i'll realize it was all a dream and one person was like oh my god that would be so crazy and i'm mm -hmm. like 
I've seen that music video a hundred times. Yeah. <laughs> That's like yeah. literally the biggest trope in Hollywood. Yeah. yeah. Like, Which there's nothing wrong with a good trope. I will throw that out Which there. Which that's, I mean, that's how Game of Thrones is going to end. So Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. We're, yeah. <laughs> We're all going to wake up from a dream. I do think because like the, um, the story podcast episode that we did about like there are kind of seven Hollywood tropes. There's like seven storylines that each story takes and, and, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with a trope, a good trope. The problem is when you rely on a trope. To t- <laughs> I don't even think, I don't think trope's the right word for that. Like, oh. a, a, like a, seven different story arcs is different than a, a yeah, story I, trope. Like, okay, f- that might be because, fair, but I still you know, like, think there's You can something- have people including me define trope. <laughs> okay, so like uh, if you have you have seven different storylines and let's say like friend. there's all this whatever and each one of those, there is a woman who's walking down the street and she's like so sad and like everything in her whole life is just going wrong and in the pinnacle of her life going wrong, a taxi comes by and splashes her with a puddle. Yeah, that's definitely to, a trope. To visually show that now it can't even get even, any worse than this. It starts raining and I get splashed by a puddle. That's yeah. like, and a bird poops on me. My story when I was walking through Chicago years ago, yep. broken yeah. foot starts raining. Or, or like, you know, uh, you the meat cutes. You know, those are all tropes. Meet cute. Meet cute. It's like how you meet somebody. It's a meet cute. Oh, it's dude, like I running into so, somebody so walking like... <laughs> in the hall. Some, somebody walking mm. in the hallway and Lamb, they bumping into mute. each other and they drop all their papers and then they're both picking them up and then yeah. they look up and make eye contact and, and they, they fall in love. That's yeah. a trope. Uh, that's a hundred percent a trope. But I'm gotcha. cool. With, I'm Donald cool with tropes. Trope. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm cool with tropes to a certain degree, but I do think, uh, well, like if you're relying on a trope to uh, sell your art, then it's not. Not art, yeah. you know? <laughs> so, and that is the easy thing to lean into. Yeah. Whenever you're constantly being told, or I guess one better way of saying it, that's the easy thing to lean into whenever mm-hmm. you are creating for the sake of receptivity and production's yes. sake. And so then you're constantly thinking, okay, you know, so if we want to use the music video kid, like, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so then what what gear do I have to buy so to make it look like that I wake up good? Okay, well, um, that's what happened in the, uh, I'm blanking on every music video right now ever. Yeah. But that's what happened there. And so that's how can I achieve these things? And you're literally creating to recreate something that you've already seen. Mm-hmm. Right. And then the whole wonder thing isn't being engaged Yeah. because- you're running after something that's already taken place. Yeah. I think in life, the true artists, like the ones that you look at and you're like, yes, they're an artist. Like there's no question are the ones who are doing none of the formula things that we think we should be doing. Mm. They're they're the ones who are going away for three years. They're the ones who are like making these just wildly, insanely weird videos. They're yeah. the ones who are like, not following typical promotions and marketing schemes and things like that. Like the true art comes from not following a formula. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's, you basically said it earlier, but the, uh, it reminded me of the quote that you can tell me who it's by. If you remember that, Uh um, if you only read, what everybody else reads, if you yeah. only listen to what everybody else listens to, if you only watch what everybody else lo- watches, then you only think Whatever. what everybody else thinks. Um, that's you said that. In Haruki Murakami's book, Norwegian Wood, he talks about that. Yeah. And it's just... Great song by the Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I think it, it just it's applying true. that, like if, if we're only consuming what everybody else is consuming, yeah. then you're only going to think the way yeah. that everybody else is thinking. Well, yeah. and to that point maybe a little bit more um the way we're consuming 
though just generally the way we're consuming is making us only think like everybody else thinks because we're consuming based on an algorithm that's telling us what they think we want to read you know what i mm-hmm. mean so like in on all accounts like <laughs> we're not i guess free thinking or yeah or whatever yeah so yeah. the two things that i'm hearing it's kind of like you know what what are the the self help yeah yeah if if we're going to self help title this thing <laughs> want to be a better artist the two things is find the wonder in being a kid again yeah like get mm-hmm. back get back to your 14 year old creation exploration self and start ingesting things that is completely different than every what everybody else is ingesting yeah yeah i think i mean it's well it all of history, when you look, like the true artists are the ones that were going against the grain. Mm-hmm. The true artists are the ones who were saying the things that literally nobody else is saying, or maybe they think it but are afraid to say it, mm-hmm. or um, whatever. It's like that Kurt Vonnegut quote that is um, of like he calls artists the canary in the coal mine, and so like what the canary. Pretty you know, goes down and to see if it's like toxic or not. And like, that's the artist, like the artists are, are too sensitive. And so when the culture is going in a toxic direction, they're the ones who are, they suffocate before anybody else does. And like, that's what you pay attention to. Mm. Um, and I, I think that is pretty much it. Like, don't get so caught up in posting or in producing or in the gear that you need in order to create the message that you're trying to send. Like, it doesn't. It just doesn't matter. Like mm-hmm. what matters is the message. And yes, there is an argument for gear to an extent. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. But I because. But gear yeah, is not but, your savior. But it's not. Yeah. It's not going to compensate for anything. Yeah. Like if you don't have your message right. Yeah. If you don't yeah, like have. Like if you have a small penis, like <laughs> a bigger <laughs> camera is not going to like compensate for that. Well. <laughs> That, yeah okay that's what this whole thing <laughs> yeah. about. it's been one um in, insinuation yeah 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 i just think if you're not really working on the things that actually matter your your gear is pointless yeah mm-hmm. and gear might help if you have something and it's not just like content of what you're saying yeah totally. but it's like I, I i guess what i'm trying to say is gear will not answer the question of what is my message Totally. Right? Yeah. So you can have the gear, but if you don't have the message, then there's no point of even trying to say something. Yeah. And that's what I've seen so much. But also, if you know how to manipulate the gear, then the gear can help enhance your message. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But if you don't know your gear and you don't have a message, then what are you doing? Absolutely. It's like, for me, it goes to, if you don't know what absolutely every single setting, mm-hmm. button, string, you know, apply it to whatever. Yeah. If you don't know what every single thing does, then you shouldn't, we shouldn't be looking to buy something else. Yeah, you don't like yeah. You, you haven't exhausted every piece of education, every piece of knowledge that that piece of gear can give you. Yeah. If you don't know the absolute ins and outs before you buy something else. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, then again it gets back to sometimes it just it gets too boring you're just not inspired by that piece of gear anymore yeah and you can't figure out how to create the same sound that the 1975 is is creating with the gear that you have so you have to look up what they have to buy that same thing so you can create the same sound like right it's but again it's just like if you don't know just being open-minded yeah the finesses yeah and absolutely everything that you can do with that specific thing you have um then 
avoid looking for a, something else to yeah. add on on yeah. onto it because again it starts to satisfy that feeling mm-hmm. um which is i think a shame because that feeling is where art comes from right like you're like dissatisfied with something so you're like trying to like communicate it you're yeah. like mm-hmm. in some way you're trying to put words or feelings or sounds or whatever to that feeling but instead we just like settle for searching for new gear that we think will create that we think will communicate that feeling instead of like actually communicating it yeah you know it might be an interesting thought is that we'll decide if it's interesting Uh i said it might be be. um (laughs) it's funny not interesting (laughs) how we obsess so much about the absolute best gear we can get today Mm -hmm. but almost all of the best art ever created was created with worse gear than we can buy for the cheapest price. Oh yeah, yeah. the best like, albums of all time. Yeah, yeah, like and you know, like the 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 camera on your phone, the processing power on your phone, mm-hmm. all of that type of stuff is potentially better than what the like some of the older yeah. like great pieces of art are created with. And you know, music and then the the one for me to think about is the best or like the uh the cheapest mm-hmm. paint materials and paint brushes that you would go buy are probably better than the very very best paint brushes that the greatest renaissance painters ever yeah, had wow. yeah. yeah yeah i i kind of think about oh, this in yeah i kind of think about this in the maybe the idea that because i'm very much an analog person and not a digital person and so i wonder if it's just because of that like human feeling that analog things have like the old recording um yeah things like they have this like grainy like this like i you can't even explain it like human feeling to it that digital kind of loses um you have this like the film photography Mm -hmm. and even of like filmmaking like super 8 cameras or something there's just this like feeling that i get from like old photos that you don't get from new photos right, with your phone right. because I think it loses that. I wonder if some of it's that. I don't mm. really know, but I have my friend Kevin can talk to you about this for like seven hours. But it's the whole. Yeah. He was telling me about how literally in audio mm-hmm. there are certain frequencies that digital mm-hmm. cannot project. Yeah, and so and we were having this conversation the other day, but there are things that analog with tubes and tape and all of this stuff musically speaking that it's able to capture and it captures it in a certain type of warmth because of how it was generated Mm -hmm. that digital is not able to and it's because i don't know it's like that whole like the good old-fashioned you know the people that are uh what like the muscle car type feel or whatever those things it's just there's something about that Mm-hmm. I don't even know what. To- I mean, I'm definitely like a little bit of a romantic, so I I sort of romanticize the past in general. Yeah. Um, but I also like I'm just not super into like everything being electronic. Like it just loses its vibe mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. But also, I do think there is something maybe like what you're saying. Like the paintbrushes way back in the day, they had to be worse. Right, because materials were like we weren't as yeah. advanced of a Horse society. Tails mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, f- I feel like they had to be worse, right? Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, and so what if, and this is going to be so unpopular in every YMCA trophy that you've received. Uh, Josh's Twitter is at Josh Boogie. <laughs> go ahead and go yeah, and yeah, whip yeah, that yeah. up. Get, get ready up. for the hate. Yeah, get ready for the hate. <laughs> this is going to be very unpopular. Um, but our YMCA trophy yes. upbringing uh-huh. says we Everybody all- Everybody gets a, an award. Everyone can be anything. And yeah. here's the reality. There were people pursuing music that weren't created to pursue music. Yeah. There were people that are pursuing photography that weren't created to pursue photography, right? Yeah. And the at the end of the day, the reason why John Mayer can pick up the guitar and make your guitar sound like something that you can't is because John was wired for music in a way that may, I'm not saying that anybody that's ever had John Mayer touch their guitar isn't made for it. Right. But there's something about gifting that people were made to do. I believe that everyone has that with something, yeah. but there's so many people that are trying to assign themselves mm-hmm. a role that they weren't assigned to. Right. And therefore running after that, trying to make that happen whenever it's just like, dude, you just, you don't have. Yeah. You don't have the gifting to do that. You don't have the the special, you know, fairy dust on your life right. to do that. Well, I think that comes with uh, what our culture uh, glorifies too, you know? Like we glorify the people who are out in front of everybody. We glorify the people on stage. And so everybody doesn't really matter who you are or what you're doing like everybody wants that feeling everybody wants to know what it's like to be known by every person on the planet right but so like you're chasing this thing that you think is yeah you know whatever it's your purpose yeah but it's just your insecurity yeah it's really not um also i think you could be made you know maybe your gifting is music but it's just in a different way right than john mayer but we all see this like example and we're like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. Right. It's like not true. Yeah. Like your your talent, your purpose, whatever you want to say might be an art, but it's not going to look like anybody else's life path in mm-hmm. their art because it's their art and yours is your art. Exactly. So like you need to be cool with like not, I just thought of Cool Whip, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you need to be cool, cool Whip. Cool Whip. You need to be cool with like doing your own thing and like, Actually not caring, which I know that's impossible, but mm-hmm. actually not caring about the outcome. Yeah. And if you listen, read, watch any kind of anything with any artist ever, they're like, I literally just sat down and made the art. Right. Like, I did not. They actually don't care about the outcome. They don't care about. And now that gets into different conversations of like true artists versus like commercial, commercial artists, artists yeah. versus whatever but you know assuming we're all wanting to like and true might be too harsh of a word a fine well, artist okay, versus a commercial that's, artist that's just what they call them yeah. um yeah like that might get into like a lot more conversations but i think generally speaking you you just can't let outside influences into your yeah. art and that includes not following John Mayer's path to success. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's something that Paul McCartney said in this doc that I was watching on in called Sound City. It's about oh, yeah. this unreal soundboard, the Neve board. If you're into music at all, like if you're into gear at all, watch it. It's unreal. It's on Prime. Um, and if you don't own a Neve board, then you will always create inferior art. Yeah. So you need to strive. You are inferior. You'll yes. never be Paul McCartney. Listen to me. You are <laughs> inferior. No. Came out a few years ago. Um, long story short, this 
group, this board was at this recording studio and the amount of records that came out from the studio through this board, Unreal, Nirvana. Mm-hmm. Um, Foo recorded. Fighters too, right? Uh, they've, they've done stuff there. Okay, because um, I've, I've just seen their documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In this documentary, at the end of it, they decide, uh, Dave Grohl, who purchased the board from Sound City, decides to record a record using that board. Brings in Paul McCartney. Mm-hmm. They're there. They write a song. They do this amazing recording. It's super cool. They they did live tracking, so they're kind of playing off each other's energy. Paul's killing it. At the end of the session, they're sitting there, and they're all just kind of in this, you know, to iron to use an ironic word, in this Nirvana experience. Mm-hmm. And they're sitting there just like, whoa. And Dave says, "Man, I wish it was this easy." And Paul looks at Dave, kind of like confused. He goes. It is. Mm-hmm. And when he said that, a surge of screw you went through me, mm-hmm. right? Of like, shut up, Paul. It's actually not that easy. But obviously he's saying that 60, 70 years on after he's done all of this music, right? So it's a lot easier to say, yeah, it is. But, and again, I'm just on like the stream of maybe I'm just in a mood of like poking at people right mm-hmm. now. But in some way, not in all ways, mm-hmm. because it, there is a point where you got to grow, right? Like I'm in piano lessons and the reason I'm in piano lessons right now is because I wanted to grow as a musician. Right. But if at some, if in some way your experience as an artist, as a creator doesn't have that Paul McCartney line of, yeah, yeah. it is that easy. Yeah. Then to me, that's a clear indicator you're running after something that you weren't made to run after. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that it doesn't mean it's you're going to effortlessly be a savant, right? right? Like, you know, Ryan Gosling playing La La Land. He's an incredible musician, but the reason he was able to play the Me and Sebastian piece at the beginning of the song, at the beginning of the film, was because he practiced four hours a day for months to right. learn it. Right. So I'm not saying that whatever comes effortlessly is what's is your reality but i'm just really on that right now because i'm namely because i'm in a culture surrounded by people um in this like what do i want to do with my life type mm-hmm. of stream mm-hmm. um that are you know you know oh, i want to be a musician and, and then you're tone deaf and it's like dude you weren't made to be a musician mm-hmm. right. but there's something specifically inside of you that you're denying because you're running after this thing right that your image is consumed with right so it's kind of like you know run after wonder Mm-hmm. I forgot what the second thing was, but if, <laughs> if it's not getting you anywhere, you weren't made for it and quit. <laughs> <laughs> if at first you don't succeed, good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it, there, it's funny. And whenever people, all these people, all of us are, you know, we're all searching for our, our calling yeah. and our purpose. Yeah. And then one person, you know, they really find like this immediate or this really big success in this thing. And then all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. dozens of us around that person suddenly find our calling. Yeah. We're like, whoa, look, I think my calling might be this thing this person found success in because they they are being like. You can't tangible. Yeah. It's like they're becoming rich or famous or, you know, being recognized in some way. It, through this thing, you know, like a prime example, and I'm going to put this one out there because it puts me in, you know, it, it kind of throws shade at me in the being in the realm is the fact that like, oh, look, Casey Neistat finds this uh, amazing success as a vlogger yeah. on YouTube. And then all of a sudden, hundreds of people suddenly found out that their calling is also uh-huh. YouTube. Right. You know, it's like yeah. it, we and it, we're. 
our for some reason our callings are um never the thing that isn't successful mm-hmm. right wow. that's so true but there is something inside of everyone totally. that clicks yeah and if you're and and I don't want to, this to seem like like stay on negative like just quit and you know go right. hang out at McDonald's or whatever you do when you quit I don't know what you do when you quit <laughs> um, but like inside of everyone I believe that there is something that clicks right right that just makes you come alive and in some way it's a little bit effortless it doesn't mean it doesn't require hard right. work but. Right. In some way, it just flows out of you. Words just flow out of you. Um, creating good art and, and digital like videos and photography and design just flows out of you, right? Right. That, to me, I believe every single person has that. Right. Every single person has that. Or they can buy it through a piece of gear. Exactly. I also, on that- <laughs> But you have to run after it and you have to find out what it is. Yeah. A hundred percent. That's the thing. I also think on that note, it's like- say your dream is to be a musician but you're tone deaf so yeah. like you're literally never gonna which be i literally see like you're not gonna be successful in that realm doesn't mean it's not something you shouldn't do hmm. meaning it's a hobby yeah it's something you love there's i think we also get that kind of stuff confused like yeah. i love Passion to career music i love it with everything like i literally listen to music 24 yeah. 7 oh i adore your love for music i'm not a musician though i'm never gonna be a successful songwriter like that's just not me so i find other ways to satisfy that like love of music i watch music documentaries i read music books i listen to music 100 of the time i go to concerts and i just lose my mind <laughs> like that it doesn't mean it's not something you shouldn't enjoy. Because I think also as adults, we do that. We're like, if this isn't making me money, I don't do it at all. Wow. And that's not true. Mm. Like I I love all kinds of art. I suck at a lot of it, but I'm going to do it anyway because I love it, you know? And like I think there's something to be said about hobbies and just like enjoying something for the sake of enjoying something mm-hmm. and not making it a passion or a career or whatever you want to call it. Like it can literally be for you. And nobody else and it's still worthy of being done yeah you know it's got to click man yeah. yeah um to completely uh kind of focus back on gear and wrap this up in something that isn't art um i was just thinking you know it, if if you've made it this far and you know uh anyway talking about yeah <laughs> you know talking about gear and then but then the art stuff doesn't resonate with you that i was just thinking yeah all of us, I feel like everybody does this at some point, or a lot of people do this at some point, even if it isn't in the art realm. Let's say you really got into woodworking, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, instead of becoming an actual woodworker, you become a person who buys woodworking stuff. Yeah. And like you ha- you own all the saws. You become and, you a know, collector, all, basically. You know, like all of the gear. You're watching all of the YouTube videos about how to make certain things, but that satisfies this need for you to become a master woodworker, but you never actually make anything yeah you know we really you know somebody who really gets into uh working out you like buy all of the gear the right shoes you know make sure they're perfect make sure you look cute mm. all this type of stuff but then you don't actually get out there and work out yeah you but know, if you it, don't look cute then there's no point of getting out there let's be that's honest. right it's like <laughs> you know, it's like wow you know you really get into rock climbing you know or whatever and like you're like <laughs> you're throwing shade at me <laughs> yeah. i've been watching rock climbing documentaries <laughs> and i've decided that's my new calling nice <laughs> <laughs> but, but, well in the first step is you got to buy every single 
single piece of gear possible to go rock climbing yeah. before right. you ever try it. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think that's something that everybody yeah. does. Is like I've been doing it recently with stand up paddleboarding. I've been researching stand up paddleboarding. Really? Yeah, nonstop. I told Cody not too long ago. I was like, I'm pretty sure stand up paddleboarding is my destiny. Oh. And I've just been like, <laughs> just researching it like you would destiny. not believe. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever do it or not. But yeah. Like if we all do it. We all have the thing that we're like, yes, this is it. It's an interest. That's all. Yeah. 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 Um, try it before you buy it. Yeah. Um, also, I was thinking too, like with the writing even. Like, yeah. it's like, how would you obsess over gear with writing? But even you are sometimes are like, it's, maybe not, it's it, more ideas. It's than like, it is but you, uh, even at the same time, you're like, maybe I need this certain like, um, like typewriter or electronic typewriter. Or oh, maybe 100%. I need this, you know, maybe I need to buy a different computer or whatever, yeah. like to, you know, create writing. Yeah. yeah. It's like, sit yeah, here. Well, yeah. Yeah. The, the thing is, is I was, I'm researching like, okay, how can I be less distracted when I'm writing? Because yeah. it's re it's really hard not to be distracted in today's it doesn't even matter. Like if you're writing out somewhere or at home or on the computer or on paper or whatever, it's just impossible not to be distracted. Nokia so I've been like phone. Yeah, I've been researching like there's these typewriters that you can buy that are like electronic and whatever. Anyways, it's like no internet, whatever. Um, and I was like, well, maybe I just need to buy one of those. But when you actually think about it, the mo the least distracting thing in the world is a pen and paper. Yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> the, It doesn't have even an option to like upload it to Evernote. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it is literally just pen and paper and it's the least distracting option. But for some reason, I feel the need to research for three or four hours. Mm. You know? Instead of writing for three or four Instead hours. Instead of writing Which for three Which is what or four we hours. all do. It's yeah. like, you know, instead of like actually working on my art, it's like, <laughs> I'm going to, it's like, wow, what'd you do today? Like, I accomplished so much. I researched for like nine hours today, all yeah. of these yeah. things that I should be doing. It's this fallacy that we, yeah. we like, I studied, I <laughs> yeah. trick ourselves. What are the, what are the fancy words we used for looked up on Google? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did, I did some research, i.e. typed in a question in Google and yeah. read the Wikipedia read page. The <laughs> <laughs> went down a rabbit hole. Yeah. yeah. Um, so to sum up what we talked yeah. about, uh, good gear doesn't matter. Yeah, good gear doesn't if your matter. Ear is keep not. the wonder. Yeah, keep the wonder. What was it? Yeah, like gear. The gear. The ear is better. More important than the gear. Yeah. 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 Um, and also in the in the limitations of things, I'll I'll leave I'll leave us with um, this quote. Um, is that perfection is not achieved when there's nothing left to add, but when there is nothing left to take away. Amen. Good night. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening to Deeply Curious. I am Cody Jensen. I'm Sarah Jensen. <laughs> and I'm Josh Kluge, and you suck at everything that you're doing. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> um, if you want to support um, this show on Patreon, you can do that by going to jensenav.club and join the Jensen AV Club That's gonna, um, and get exclusive um, access to... Some art. Yes, some more art. Um, <laughs> or art. content, whichever yeah. def definition you um, want to use. You know, and also deeper access um, to us. And also, and mostly it just helps support art and helps us to create art um, that matters instead of creating art that sells. Um, yes. Thank you guys for listening to this episode, and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.